looking back at the best of Saturday racing from around the country and examining the major talking points of the day, this is Past the Post. Brought to you by Archer Park Racing. Taking racing ownership to the next level. They certainly do. Good morning, everyone. Thanks for joining us on Past the Post, Sunday the 9th of April. And happy Easter. Hope you're enjoying the break. Hope you had a good day yesterday on the punt. Ben Dorries, did you have a good day on the punt? I shouldn't have asked that question because yeah, I, you knew I, was I know alive. something. You knew I was alive going to the last leg of the Sydney Quaddy. Didn't have the first three favourites. Yeah. Uh, had, had the next six in the market. And uh, what do you think happened? One, two, three, the first three favourites. But never mind. It's Easter today. I was up at uh, 5 a.m. on an Easter egg hunt with my kids. So it's about time for me to have a snooze after this show, I reckon. <laughs> well, it was a great day of racing. Of course, second day of the championships at Royal Randwick. We're going to deep dive into that meeting very soon. Plenty of special guests. Of course, we raced at Doomman yesterday and Chinny Boom overcame difficulties. We'll have a chat with Clint Taylor. He'll join us later in the program. Of course, it was the uh, first day of the Oakbank weekend. Their feature race was the Hills Railway Stakes. We'll have a listen to that. And two group races at Sandown yesterday on the lakeside track. There's a bit to talk about both of those races, particularly from a Queensland point of view, but we'll come to that later in the program. Of course, don't forget Archer Park Racing. Present past the post each week. The website is archerparkracing.com.au. They're getting excited too because, as we say in the ad, all of the big guns are ready to go. Counter Beans will be the first of them. I think racing this Saturday at um, Eagle Farm. Anyway, let's go to Randwick and we'll go to the, the big one of the Group 1s. This was the Queen Elizabeth Stakes. It had been billed as a match race, a showdown. It had been talked about for some time. But in the end, Dubai Honor was clearly the better backed. It ran the 230 favourite, Adamo 290. Unicorn Lane at the 600 metres racing boldly in the lead from New Merion. Then he's a shocker from Animo. Just given a little niggle now by McDonald and Marquin gets going on Dubai Honor as they flatten for the run home and it's Unicorn Lane. Two lengths clear. Animo's cutting loose. Dubai Honor's cutting loose. This is what we've been waiting for. Unicorn Lane being grabbed by Dubai Honor and Animo in the middle. It's Dubai Honor hitting the lead from Animo. They beat off Unicorn Unicorn line, but Dubayana is drawing clear, and William Haggis has done it again. Dubayana by three lengths to Animo. Mawunga rattling home into third. He's a shocker fourth. Then Unicorn line from Numerian. Further back to Modophilia. Then came Zarek from Gear Up, El Patroness, and Alan Kerr was last to finish. Yeah, well, as Darren said, this is what we've been waiting for. It lasted probably about 200 metres when they made their runs together, Animo had been in front of Dubai Honor. They came alongside of each other, but that uh, showdown quickly dissipated. Yeah, I just reckon it's further evidence that these European middle-distance horses slash stayers are just simply better than ours. I think our sprinters stand up anywhere. I mean, Nature's Trip went on and, and beat the world last year at, at Royal Ascot. Our sprinters are elite. Um, and I'm not bagging Animo one little bit, but I just think these European horses are just a class above when they come over here. Well, let's talk more about that and many other things because we are absolutely privileged to be able to have a chat with Dubai Honours trainer William Haggis this morning. He won with Adaib in this race in 2020 and 2021 and taken with Dubai Honour yesterday. William, good morning and congratulations. Good morning. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you. I was reading this morning, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, has it been nearly 40 years since you've been to Royal Randwick? <laughs> yeah, that's about right. Actually, I came uh, 
I came for a three-month stint with Brian Mayfield Smith when he was building a stable at Nebo Lodge in Rose Hill. And um, I raced at Randwick uh, during that time, but uh, haven't been since, sadly. Oh, congratulations again. Just go back a step with Dubai on a for us. Uh, our listeners have all seen what he's done in Australia the last couple of starts. But where did he sort of stand in the scheme of things in England before he came here? What level was he racing at in England? What did you think of him? Did you think he was a star? Um, just run us through his backstory. Well, he, he had an <clears throat> extremely good year. As a, he won a race as a two-year-old, um, and then we gelded him uh, because he didn't look like being a, a, a real top, top horse. And that probably made a big difference to him. And as a three-year-old, he did nothing but improve. Kept surprising me. Uh, he won two group, group two races in France, and then we ran him in the Champion Stakes, which is our flagship race in our autumn and he was second uh ran a very valiant race too um and all those races were on soft or heavy ground um then as then he didn't really thrive through the winter uh, that following winter and then last year he he wasn't quite as good he ran against top horses in top races but he was never quite right i don't know why he just never really we never really had him um, as we wanted him. Um, and he, as I say, he ran some good races. We had a very good horse last year called Baid, and he ran against him a couple of times. Um, and he should have won a Group 2 race at York one day when the jockey went too soon, um, way too soon. Um, so he ran to a good level, but it was five pounds worse than he'd run the previous year. But it was still... It was still Group 3, Group 2 standard in Europe. Um, but this winter, or the winter just gone in England, he really did thrive. And he never grew a coat, uh, which is quite surprising for Gelding. And, and, you know, we knew all through his quarantine that he was in much better shape than he had been throughout the year of 2022. So, you know, you hope... You hope that everything goes right. And then when he won the the, the round bit, I, I, my main concern was that that wasn't his day, that he was going to continue uh, to improve and that he wasn't going to have that one day in the round bit and then disappoint yesterday. But I'm delighted to say that didn't happen. In the Randvit, he raced closer to the lead, but he showed that acceleration and I think yesterday, many watching who, you know, we, we saw him in the Ram, but we know Animo really well. And I think Animo was like two pairs in front of him. So he was further back than in the Ram, but, but again, showed that great acceleration, just allowed to relax. And then when Mark would ask him to go, he sprinted impressively. Yeah, that's that's right. Uh, I think, I mean, Ryan, he was drawn well in the, in the Ram bit. And, and mm. you know, Ryan took the decision to, I mean, I don't really interfere with top-class jockeys. What am I, who am I to tell them how to ride? So, you know, I just said the most important thing is to get the horse into a good rhythm, and, and he got into a good rhythm in third, and as you say, he picked up really well. And and Ryan was quite, he he sort of led him stride on in the Rambit, which is unusual for him, um, and he gave him a backhander or two. Um, so, you know, that, that I don't know whether that says... He said he felt really good after that race, but, you know, he doesn't usually push them out like that if he's going to win. So, um, you know, I, I, 
look, we were thrilled to win a Group 1 with him, which is what we came down to do. Um, and to win the run that was great on ground, which we knew or we thought was not going to suit him. And we knew that he was a, a, a good operator on a wet track. There's a theory been going around for a while, and I think it's growing legs now with, with some of the horses you've had success with out here, that your um, or European middle distance horses and stars are simply better than, uh, you know, the... The Australians, um, the Australian sprinters obviously seem to stack up anywhere in the world, but, you know, you, you get a, um, a good middle distance uh, staying horse, you, you must come here with some confidence given, you know, your history, or I guess knocking off very elegant twice as well. Well, that, yeah, it's a very interesting um, question, that, and it's, you know, there's no doubt that that the Australian sprinters are comparable to any in the world absolutely no doubt and nature strips win uh, uh, in the uh, Kingstown last year sort of confirmed that he was so dominant now we as a as a nation uh, have been breeding middle distance horses for a long time and there has been in the last 10 years they've started the breeders have started to breed more commercially and more to speed uh, and breed sort of not as many, in, in inverted commas, classic type horses, which is exactly what happens here. And New Zealand used to breed the stayers and used to win lots of races in Australia over the distance of, over a distance of ground. And they went commercial and tried to uh, appeal to the Australian market and stopped breeding stayers because it takes too long they're not they're not as as popular in the sale rig, and they're certainly not as uh, as popular with trainers because they take too long to to mature. So uh, we have taken steps in England, and I think it's a good thing to encourage people to not only to breed stairs but to race them. And so the prize money in the staying department has been improved dramatically by our standards, not 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 like yours, uh, to encourage people to breed them, race them, uh, and, and, and buy them at the sales. So that has been a recent thing, probably the last two or three years, and that will improve and get legs. And, you know, if you look at it really, I know in Australia, in Australia you have the Everest and, and the fast races, but in the majority of countries around the world, um, at Japan, Hong Kong, the Middle East, the top races are over 10 2,000 metres and maybe 2,400 metres. And your top race is in Melbourne over, over 3,200 metres. So it makes sense to, 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 to purchase and train um, the middle distance horse, but they need time and you need patient people to own them because, you know, they end up having a very quiet time at two and often at three. Um, but if you give them the time to mature and get better and not over-race them, then uh, they can come good at four, five, and six, and that's what's happened with Dubaiana, and that's what happened with the day. But here, you've got so many valuable races, the Slipper, Blue Diamond, lots of these races that, you know, why not have a go? So lots of people want to target those, and from a trainer's point of view and an agent's point of view, they're a good sell, you know, every year there must be 250 horses bought that are going to win the Golden Slipper and only one wins. 
Just as an extension to what you've just said, and that, that's a, a wonderful insight there, uh, the health of racing in Great Britain at the moment, and, and health is probably the, the right word, it, it, it's a very general term. What is the health of racing at the moment there? Well, <laughs> another good question. Of course it's not great at the moment. We're having, um, uh, we're having a few problems financially, uh, lots of problems financially. But I, I'm one of the people who are more positive about the future. Um, you know, we're, we're in a, a, a big thing with the government who are struggling anyway. Mm. Um, they're producing or about to produce a white paper on, on uh, affordability for punters and whether they're going to restrict people or make bookmakers restrict people betting too much. Um, and it's going to be... That could be a bit of a game changer, but I'm more positive. I think Whirlpool is going to be huge in the next five, ten years, where we're betting into uh, uh, pools all over the world. Mm. I think our tote is starting to be reinvigorated because we lost that. Um, that was poorly managed, poorly run for so long um, that, that the tote basically fizzled out and it's been taken over. Uh, by a few people, and and you know it's just changing people's mindsets. But I think the tote will improve over the uh, over the next ten years, and it's all going to happen when I'm uh, I'm probably under the ground. But um, I think that, that that we've got lots of reasons to be positive, and I think that and I don't want to sound blasé here because it's 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 wrong to sound blasé. But I think our horses are as good as anywhere in the world, possibly bar Japan. Mm. Um, and, you know, we, we hopefully have shown to a few people that, that travelling them ac across the world is, is a thing to do and a good thing to do. And, and honestly, the, the excitement it generates for, for all the countries that get international raiders, and by that I mean for Nature Strip coming up to England, is fantastic, and it really does make global appeal uh, to to the punters and to the people. So the more that we can travel around the world, the better, I think. All of us, and that's including people here coming up to Europe. I, I know no trainer likes commenting on another horse, but I don't think there's a person better placed on the planet possibly to judge how Animo may go in England if he goes to England. What, what did you think of Animo yesterday? And do you think if he, if he does go to Royal Ascot, uh, he'll be highly competitive there? Well, I was—I thought he looked absolutely fantastic yesterday, and I thought his behaviour was great. Now, I only saw him in the George Ryder. I thought he didn't look like he behaved very well beforehand in the George Ryder. And, uh, uh, but I'm only saying that from the television in England. But yesterday, he was immaculate. He looked terrific, and he behaved beautifully. And I guess they were a little bit disappointed with the outcome. Um Look, he's obviously a very good horse. He's won nine races. But Dubai Honor will be, uh, or would have been before yesterday, a 25-to-1 pop to win the Prince of Wales, which is our, our standard 10-furlong race in, um, in England. And the mile race, the Queen Anne, will be a strong race as well. It, 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 it'll be very hard for him to be competitive. And I mean that not offensively. Uh, I think it, it's. I think we're really strong at that distance, and uh, I think it'll be hard for him. And and uh, you know, 
He's done so much in his career. Maybe he doesn't need to come, but uh, we we really hope he does come uh, and and makes it a more international race. Of course, I know it's three hundred and sixty-four days away. But would you were you contemplating? Kind of <laughs> you, you know where I'm going. But would, do you plan to come back with the source next year? Do by honour. Yeah, uh, obviously long term. Yeah, we'd love to. I'm sure. Why not? He's he's travelled well. He's proved that uh, he can travel well um, uh, around the world. So, yeah, why not? So just while we're on that, of course, you did it with a Dave in, in 20 and 21. You couldn't be here because of the, the COVID dramas. Can we make any legitimate comparison between Dubai Honour and a Dave? You're the best person to ask. Well, a Dave was a wonderful horse, so genuine, so tough. He raced on the speed. He wore his heart on his sleeve. He had some great battles with very elegant, great battles. Um, this horses, they were they were pretty similar horses when they left England to come to Australia. Dubaiana may have been a little bit better, actually, than a day was. Um, so this horse has done really well, Dubaiana here. Um, I don't know whether he's got the durability to go and do it again next year. Uh, if you ask me this time next year, if it's gone as well as it's gone this time, uh, then I'd have to say he's every bit as good as a day. But at the moment, a day was a, a fabulous horse for us, flagship horse for us. He raced so genuinely for so long. He cemented uh, my personal relationship with Tom Mark and who I think is an absolute star, a brilliant rider, very strong rider. And, um, so we'll always have great affection, both of us, for a Dave. Uh, but this horse is uh, is not far behind him at the moment. We'll see him in the QE2 Cup at Chartin at the end of the month. And a point you brought up before, and I just want to expand on that too, you, you talked <laughs> about the global appeal that these carnivals can have with horses travelling, whether it be from A to B or B to A. But also from the jockey point of view, you've mentioned, Tom, but... We've seen Purton, we've seen Marrera, we've seen Ryan Moore. That's had a great impetus to this this autumn carnival in Sydney. Well, it, it, it should do, because they are world-class riders. I mean, Zach Purton's an Australian, um, but Marrera has been fantastic around the world, and Ryan Moore is a, a world-class rider. So, you know, it's great for the younger jockeys and the older ones in Australia. Not that they're pinching their rides, but they're they're here to grace the stage. And that's what the, the, the championships are about. They're, they're about showing um, that Australia can compete in the world. Okay, it didn't happen this time. But you've got some fantastic horses, fantastic riders, fantastic trainers. Uh, and, and, you know, they need to be appreciated around the world. And, and this is the way to do it. And if people want to come, obviously the money's very attractive. But the mindset of, of, the, of the chairman and everyone involved at uh, Racing New South Wales and the Australian Turf Club, you know, the, the, this is just goes from strength to strength and needs supporting. I, I, I firmly believe that. And one final question. Dubai Honour has obviously been happy and healthy. The results prove it. Have you enjoyed the Sydney lifestyle <laughs> while you've been here? Yeah, it's fantastic, isn't it? But... I haven't slept a wink. Uh, I, that was my best night's sleep last night, and I woke at 5 o'clock. Uh, I've had uh, runners in England in the middle of the night every day this week, so that hasn't helped. And the things to do, and 
you know, it's it's been... Tom and I went out to the track at half past six this morning to see the horses and, um, you know, see my team who have done brilliantly well. Everyone thinks that when they come to Australia, everyone at home thinks that they've had a... Uh, they have a bit of a holiday out here, but it's no holiday. It's It's pretty intense for them. No days off. They work very hard and and perhaps the biggest proudest thing for me was the horse doing it yesterday for for my team here because you know their their hard work has been justified and they need all the glory i'm getting all the glory which is fantastic for me personally but it's them that put the shift in and, and they do the work and they have to make their decisions when i'm not here obviously we speak all the time constantly but they have to make the decisions and they have to to um to you know carry out what whatever things we decide to do and they have to be diligent careful and and they've pulled it off and and fantastic we're all going out for lunch today and we'll have a bit of a celebration and then i'll buzz off and go back to reality in england it's been wonderful to chat congratulations and we look forward to talking again in 2024 fingers crossed my pleasure thank you William Haggis joining us this morning. You don't get an interview like that too often. That was, I think, my favourite in my time on this show, and I reckon I've been doing the show on and off for uh, six or seven years now. Um, wasn't he insightful, thoughtful? Oh, amazingly um, so. Gave us plenty of his time. Amazingly so. Uh, we could talk about all sorts of things that he that he mentioned, but the one thing that grabbed me was, uh, well, plenty of things grabbed me, but when he basically said... You know, I don't want to be offensive, but I think mm. Animo will struggle to be competitive in England. And you know what? We're probably thinking he'll go over there. Well, we were thinking before yesterday he'd go over there and pull our pants down. Don't think so. Just on yesterday's race, we'll have to move on because we've spent a bit of time, but it's been time well spent. If Animo had run second and then it was two or three lengths to the third, but the fact that he actually got nutted for second probably downplays his effort a little? Yeah, although, gee whiz, it does. But wasn't that a storming run for Mawunga? I, I mean, Mawunga's one of those horses, I, I, it's one of my favourite sayings, I couldn't back with stolen money. But um, if you watch the overhead, that horse came from absolutely nowhere yesterday and ran past down a mow on the line and was, was taking ground off Dubai on us. So, um, yeah, look, it was just a one-act affair, wasn't it? And uh, not the Australian farewell, because that's the last time we will see him in Australia. You would think for sure, Animo, that we wanted. Will he go to Royal Ascot? You'd think he probably would, mm. but we'll have to wait and see. It was a great race, and uh, yeah, as I said, um, great to speak with William Haggis, who um, gave us his time this morning. There were four Group 1s at Royal Ramwick yesterday on the second day of the Championships. Let's move to the next one, the Queen of the Turf. And alcohol-free having her first Australian start, an expensive purchase out of that Tattersall sale last December, ran the favourite at $3.70. As they come up to the home corner now, Levante's about six last on the turn into the straight. Pride of Jenny goes for home. Alcohol-free, the boom mare giving chase. Pride of Jenny up the rise, a length and a half to alcohol-free, and a tissue just cruised into it. A tissue went to the front, and more secrets giving chase. Forget the favourite. A tissue raced two lengths clear from more secrets second. Oh, anyone's guess for third, but a tissue. She's ripping away here in the hands of Nash Willa. What a win in the Queen of the T. 
turf. A T-shirt bolts in. Hope in your heart. Stormed home to second. More secret third. Hinge from my, from a mile back round fourth. Then came Lavotte just behind Promise of Success. Further back to Pride of Jenny. Bring the ransom. Then Times Square. Alcohol free. Dropped out. Then Roots from Cyrilea Miss. Statement. Purple pay. Fine point And Exolita. Yes, a tissue winning there for Chris Waller and uh, Nash Rewella, the winning rider. He's our next guest on Past the Post. Nash, good morning and congratulations. Yeah, thanks, Dave. Yeah, it was a good, good day. Um, you know, obviously, great to sort of um, turn up again with Chris Waller and, and get another group one over the carnival. Um, we've had a pretty checkered passage the last few months, so um, to sort of still have the carnival come together and finish up like it has for me, it's been terrific. You like to have, as a jockey, you, as a putter as well, you like to have trouble-free runs. And, and on face value, she had a, a perfect run, travelling well on the fence and covering no extra ground. And then you're able to navigate the path at the right time. Probably left in front of Fairway from home. But, gee, I thought just yeah. watching the replay this morning, she was dominant yesterday. She was dominant. Yeah, look, she seemed to really love that ground. And, um, you know, that's barriers. They make a huge difference, don't they? She drew one there yesterday and was just able to sit two or three lengths closer than she probably normally would. And, um, uh, yeah, save the ground. I think, you know, the, the rail there, you know, if, if you watch the whole day's racing, a, a lot of a lot of the winners and place getters come from sort of travelling on the rail and then sort of getting to four, three and four off and in the straight. And um, that's exactly what we tried to do. And and she was dominant. You know, you know dominant. She, um, you know, obviously put the riding on the wall first up. A bit of way she finished there going around them all. So, um Getting that, getting that, uh, that soft passage yesterday really, really helped her show how, how good she is. And great memories for you of the day in particular, Nash. Uh, obviously, that famous ride on Think It Over, uh, you must have got into um, yesterday, what wandered into the racetrack with some pretty happy memories of that day. Yeah, definitely. Oh, that's a, you know, I mean, not only just sort of through the association with the horse and the connections, but, um, you know, that ride is... One, you know, you'll you probably sit down in 20 years' time and tell your grandkids about. And um, yeah, no, it's um, that was a it was a, a big um, a big day for me and, and probably sort of a career-defying moment, you know. Um, so yeah, no memories there will last forever. Last year, these mares can be can be funny. They can be unpredictable that they can they can find a spot where they're in the right groove. This mare came from New Zealand. She won four races over there and. She won two pretty quickly for Chris Waller, so all, all of a sudden there were six wins on the board, and then she ran a lot of, lot of several placings. She had a lot of starts, but just seems to me, and I'm interested in your thoughts. I know you haven't been on her that much. I think you rode her in a trial right. once, but she, she, she's rising six. But this is probably the best she's gone since she's been in Australia. Yeah, look, I, I think there's no doubt about that. Um, yeah, it's funny how they, mares, they can click into. Look, she obviously went through a period of time there where she wasn't probably, you know, um, turning up the races in the right frame of mind. She, she had a few, lot of barrier issues and things like that. But um, look, she's not she's not bomb-proof in the gate. She 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 sits there and or stands in the gate there like a time bomb waiting to go off. But thankfully, um, you know, through a lot of work from the, the stable, um, she, she's. Uh, She's got a bit smarter, and she's probably, um, as she's got older, doesn't want to hurt herself, let alone someone else. So, you know, just just little things like that. She's, she did go through a period where she wasn't really on fire through 
those sort of circumstances. But at the moment, she's in a really good headspace and um, just loving her job. And, you know, quite often mares, when they get into that rich vein of form, they're, they're, they're unbeatable, you know. Like, who, knows she could, who knows what she could achieve. How do you sum up what a successful carnival looks like for you, Nash? You won the Rose Hill Guineas on Lindemann, obviously another Group 1 yesterday, two Group 1s. Do you put that in the bank and say that was a good carnival? Or how do you look back at a carnival and, and define whether it's been a good one for you? Look, I think it has. Uh, and, and the reason why I say that because I've been able to sort of come back here two or three years ago from Hong Kong after two, yeah, sort of 15 months off and... Um, gained support through some really good blokes and top trainers that sort of fly under the radar, you know, to some extent. And I believe they can train as good as anyone, blokes like John Thompson and Matty Dunn and these sort of fellas. Um, but I needed them to sort of get my name back in the spotlight, and, and which which they really did, and, you know, through horses like, um, you know, Sweet Deal and, and uh, you know, there's quite a, there was a number of sort of that really helped me um, come back and, and, and reconsolidate back in Sydney. And, look, I think, um, you know, that's sort of led to just sort of getting good opportunities now from, you know, the Chris Follers and, and, and Godolphin, you know, James Cummings. That, and that takes it to a whole new level. So for me to sort of ingrain back into those sort of top stables is uh, what satisfies me the most, you know, that that they're looking to put me on, you know. And, and, and they're sort of, um, I, I find they've put me on the right horses that suit me too, which is great. You couldn't win the Queen Elizabeth, but uh, Nanny Animo for second with Moonga was about $400,000 difference. So he ran well yesterday. Oh, he's a beauty. Yeah, such a good, talented horse. Um, he's... I don't know how you can say if if, if he look if, when he's a stallion later on down the track. If he can put ten percent of his ability into into um, his progeny, he's going to do really really well, you know. But um, it's just getting it out of him. He's he's just uh, you know he's he's he switched on there for for a furlong yesterday and 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 and, and did set um, give him a following start and flash and pass him like he would have won another three strides. So. Yeah, he's, he's a talent. It's just, um, you know, he, he, getting him to concentrate and things like that. But, um, look, he, he might come up your way to something like the Durban Cup and, and, and be very, very competitive in a race like that, you know, um, QE2 or something like that. So hopefully there's there's a little bit more racing left in through through the autumn. And just quickly before you go, we appreciate your time. Your thoughts on Tom Kitten winning the Fernhill? Yeah, very talented horse. He, he's, he, he's still very raw and... Um, you know, like he's had to give him a good start there yesterday and, um, you know, he's just got a beautiful big stride. There's something special about him he, 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 and he's, he, he's shown me that now a couple of times that I've ridden him and, um, you know, I'm sure even sort of in the spring he's, he's going to be a horse that um, if, he, if, he, if he can come back, you know, go, go into that next level, he's going to be very competitive, you know, in a guineas or something like that. He's a very nice horse. Good on you, mate. Good work yesterday, and uh, we might see you up here during the winter. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think we'll have um, Eduardo coming up for the Dooman 10,000, mm. and, um, you know, as I said, it'd be nice to sort of, um, well, you know, probably Tissue's got, got to go, and um, also uh, Mawunga, you know, I'd look forward to him hopefully um, going up as well. So, no, a bit to look forward to. It could be a really good winter, winter carnival for me up there as well.
Good on you, mate. Thanks for this morning. Pleasure. There is Nash Willard joining us. Great rider and uh, perfect rider on the tissue. And I think she is a bear that uh, is one of those bears that, you know, she's really in a, a rich vein of form at the moment. Best she's ever been in. Yeah. <clears throat> it was a dominant, dominant win, wasn't it? Uh, well, what about alcohol free? Oh, I mean, honestly, if you've paid. If you banked it, you wouldn't be alcohol free well, well, last night. But, but what about the, if you paid $10 million for it? Let, let, get your head around that $10 million for it. And it's been beaten eight lengths. I mean, look, obviously it'll improve uh, with another prep, but, I mean, she wished there'd be a few disappointed people in that camp. There was a significant moment in this race, racing moment, that I'm not saying this mare was a good thing beaten, but you can legitimately say she should have finished closer to a tissue hope in your heart. <laughs> so when they came around the turn, Rowilla gets that perfect run through. While that was ex- happening and putting a brake on them, Hope in Your Heart got pulled up in some traffic, was actually just behind a tissue coming to the turn. All of a sudden, there's a big gap between them, and she narrowed that gap towards the end. She's just a, a great mare, Hope in Your Heart, but I would say that you could make a, a case that she should have finished closer to a tissue. Oh, absolutely. And you know why she didn't finish closer? Because you backed it. Yeah, I really liked it. But look, it's funny, I thought she was going nowhere at one point there, but you're right, when the gap opened, she just uh, accelerated by that time... Uh, it was all over. More secrets at 100 to 1 ran third. A bit of a theme in Sydney yesterday with rough place getters, a couple of rough winners. So, um, yeah, all honours to a tissue. Chris Waller and Nash Ruler there. Yeah, and of course, that was Nash's third queen of the turf. He won two others on the same mare, more joyous. Remember her, of course. She was a wonderful mare some time ago. Let's go to the Sydney Cup. And this looked like being the upset of the century when uh, the hundred to $151 chance... Dash to the lead. Here's the replay. Clark goes for home on night's order. Arapaho's been the stalker and true marvel at big odds. Nerve not verve running on from King Frankel. Uh, many lengths away to the rest. True marvel. True marvel moved up on the outside of Arapaho and night's order. Explosive Jack, the only one making any type of ground. It's true marvel in front for Cathy O'Hara in the Sydney Cup. But here's Jack. Explosive Jack over the top won the Sydney Cup. Explosive Jack ran down true marvel and Knight's order third, then came Arapaho. Further back to Alakahan, Stockman, Nerve not Verve, Selena with minor headway late, together with Pesto, a gap back to Shawfire, then came Sir Lucan from Amade, uh, knocking up King Frankel from High Emotion, uh, a long gap back to the favourite Cleveland, together with Tamor, Gold Trip and Baron Samadai. Explosive Jack was an outstanding staying three-year-old. He won the Tassie, the ATC, the South Australian Derbies, finished third in the Queensland Derby, got to the Melbourne Cup in 21, uh, finished down the track, had 22 off. He's been back uh, this time in 2023. That was his fifth run back yesterday. Kieran Maher and David Eustace do the training, but it's a milestone for Dylan Gibbons, an apprentice, winning his first Group 1. He's been able to join us this morning. Dylan, congratulations. Thank you very much. Did you party well last night? Yeah, within reason, within reason. Still got the next week ahead, so <laughs> had enough fun without getting carried away. Uh, Dylan, I, I read, congratulations, I read you'd never um, even met Dave Eustace uh, before this race. H- how did this ride sort of come about and um, just, just run us through the, the lead up to it, I guess? Oh, well, because they're sort of such a big operation, Kieran and Dave, they obviously have a lot of people under them who 
who do do a fair bit for them. And I just sort of had good connections with the guys at their Sydney base, and they've always been good to look after me. And obviously, Kieran and Dave never seemed to have to have an issue, and just sort of through there, my manager and and you know the the main former there, Gabrielle Nutt and um, Joe, they they were sort of kicking up for me and. Thankfully enough, when you had a lightweight and they were happy to put me on, it just sort of come about that way. And then obviously, like you said, met Dave for the first time Saturday and it was a good introduction. <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. Two miles is a long way to go, whether you're riding, whether you're punting on the race. But to be fair, and I think you've said this this morning in the press, you didn't really think you were a strong winning chance until really late in the piece. Yeah, no, nah, he was always travelling well and gave me a great feel throughout but you know like you said it's a long way to go and 3200 big field I, I was spotting them a pretty big start and and them stage you know they obviously can't sprint that great and look my bloke was obviously going super from the top of the straight but I just didn't know if I'd left him too much head start just from where we were on the run but look that's just that last sort of 100 150 meters I just needed the leader to come back to me and touch and to my bloke's credit he had to maintain and he did exactly that Take us inside your first conversation after the race or, or last night, whenever it was, yesterday afternoon with your dad, Andrew. What what was that like? I imagine he would have been as proud as Punch. Yeah, like, like I said in my interview, you know, it's um, obviously doing the same job and spending so much time with him as a kid, going to the races with him all the time. And, you know, I've, I've admitted a couple of times he's not, he's not very colourful when it comes to his emotions, but ever since I've sort of been riding, you know, seen him out of his shell a bit more and, just knowing how much it means to him, you know, not only for me, but to do it for him as well because he knows how hard it is. And for me to do it at that top level and, and, and see him be so proud, you know, it's, um, it makes that win just a lot more special than, than it should that it is. And, yeah, look, it's just great. And even though you've, you've got horse racing sort of flowing through your blood through, through your dad, you know, and things, you sort of weren't sort of born in the saddle really, were you? I think you only had your... You know, really learnt to ride at age fifteen or sixteen, and I remember writing a, reading a piece a few years ago, I think, on you where you did your first bit of pace work on a horse, and you you pulled up vomiting and all sorts of things. So you've you've come a, a long way in a relatively short time. Yeah, it definitely wasn't a natural, but it was funny. Ever since I was born, I was just always obsessed with racing, and and everything was to do with horses and jockeys. And for how obsessed I was, I never not until I was probably 15 or 16, I never really got serious about it because Dad sort of just said to me one day when I was wanting to leave high school and he's going, well, do you, are you serious about this? And I was like, yeah. And he goes, well, we've got to get you on a horse then. And, yeah, it was quite funny. It took me so long to actually get on a horse. And, yeah, I definitely wasn't a natural when I first got on. I wasn't hopeless, but, you know, I, I didn't get on. You, you weren't thinking I was going <laughs> to get to where I am today, so... Had to keep working hard at it, that's for sure. We spoke with Ben Thompson when he won his first group one on Uncommon James in the Oakley Plate. And he made a comment the next morning. He said, as a, a young jockey, and whether you're an apprentice or, or out of your apprenticeship, you think about your first group one, how you're going to react. And, and you made a similar comment yesterday after the race. Yeah, I was sort of all the time leading into Montefiore's runs and when I had my first group ones, you do sort of sit there and manifest it and, and try and work out what salute you want to do and, and how you want to carry on. And it just so happened that obviously yesterday, just that horse obviously being out of the market a touch and no one was sort of really talking about him or Montefiore. You know, there was 
less media attention to my horses this week and it just sort of helped me coast through the week a bit and yeah I, I didn't actually think about it too much funnily enough even though I, I did for all the other ones and sort of once I got to about the 100, 150 when I realised it was a great day for winning just sort of the emotion took over and you can't really prepare for it it just takes over. Did you realise in that last sort of you know, 150, 200 metres that the thing in front of you that you had to run down was roughly 10 billion to one in the market? Did you realise it was the, the roughest thing in the race? You, you must have thought if you did, you, I can run this thing down. Well, yeah, exactly. Like I said, my bloke, he was um, he was just running an enormous race and he was giving me a great feel, but I was just always worried about how far far of a head start I gave him. When when I looked and seen what it was, That's that's why I was just banking on it stopping and you know, to his credit, that, that horse in front didn't stop too much, but he just stopped enough that it allowed my bloke to keep whacking away and just get over the top of him late. Last question. Um, this is a vintage era for apprentices in, in New South Wales and certainly in Sydney. Uh, Tyler Schiller, Zach Lloyd, Reese Jones, yourself. But what we see on social media, and I've noticed this a couple of times now, more than certainly more than once, whether it's social media or on Sky Channel, you guys, you seem you're a pretty tight bunch as well. Yeah, we are. We're all great mates, and look, it's obviously a hard game. And coming through, you know, it's we're all trying to make our way. So it's just making life a lot easier for all of us that we got each other to lean on and you know be there for each other when, as you see, when we have good days. But we're also there for each other when we have bad days to pick each other up. So honestly, I don't think it'd be as easy as it is with them three boys around me so it's just great to always have each other in the room and yeah like what what you see is, is exactly how we are you know we're great mates for each other we love seeing each other win but you know when we're out there we're just trying to do our best and beat each other but apart from that we're there for each other and it just makes it a lot easier yeah great words there wonderful day yesterday a milestone in your con- career congratulations and thanks for being with us this morning no worries thank you very much Dylan Gibbons joining us uh, a special moment for him winning the Sydney Cup on Explosive Jack. Let's go to the other Group 1, and this is the Australian Oaks. To the straight, Pavetra shows the way from Penny Wecker. Arts is getting up the inside. Premise down the outside with So Dazzling. It's Penny Wecker and Premise. So Dazzling between them. Then Arts back on the rails. It's Penny Wecker. She's lifting Penny Wecker from Premise and So Dazzling. They beat off Arts. It's Penny Wecker trying to fend off So Dazzling. She does so and becomes a dual Oaks winner. Penny Wecker goes on to win it by two lengths to So Dazzling. A gap back to Premise third just in front of Fireburn. They beat off Arts. Then came further back to Faze Angel has beat Plenty Home. Pavitra, a big gap back to Soul Choice from Frankie's Me Dad Polygon. Uh, then came Stormy Witness. A mile back to Jolted Byron Bell, Mountain Guest. And Parossa's pulled up sharply. Yes, the Kiwis have certainly made their presence felt over the last few months. And here's another case in point. The Jim Wallace-trained Penny Wecker, Damien Lane riding, was one of the three co-favourites. She was simply too tough too strong for them. Yeah, the Kiwis have just been too good for us, haven't they? I mean, she won by almost two lengths. Outside of that, I must admit, I didn't know what to make of this race. There was a long, long tail to it. I mean, there was 81 lengths between first and last. I mean, outside of that, there was horses being beaten 50 lengths, 45 lengths, 44 lengths, 32 lengths, 30 lengths, 20 lengths, 20 lengths. So, gee whiz, there was a lot of horses who got beaten a long way. I thought the the equal favourite, Pavitra, was disappointing. Um, may not have appreciated the ground. I don't think it's, it may, may just be a dry track. It's so dazzling was good. The runner-up for John Sargent, you know, potentially 
you see place getters out of this race quite often come up and run in, uh, you know, Queensland Oaks campaign. Yep. So keep an eye on her, I guess. Fireburn ran on at the end, but outside the winner, there wasn't too much to get excited about, I didn't think. It was interesting, of course. Uh, uh, Roger James with Prowess won the Group 1 Vinery and said, no, pull-up stumps, no Australian Oaks. Jim Wallace won the New Zealand Oaks and said, we'll roll the dice. They're too good, these Kiwis, aren't they? Too good. And pay dividends uh, back-to-back a dual Oaks winner. They were the Group 1s at Royal Rambert yesterday. This is Past the Post. Thanks for your company this morning. A short break, plenty more to discuss outside of Royal Rambert after the break. You're listening to Radio Tab's Past the Post with David Fowler and Ben Dorries. Past the Post brought to you by Archer Park Racing. As we say, archerparkracing.com.au. That's the website to go to. You can see what's for sale, what's available, uh, anything you like, and whatever size share you want to buy, it's all there for you. Let's go to Doomben yesterday, and we raced on an improving track. We started with a heavy eight, ended up at a soft six. Chinny Boo made her reappearance in the sixth race yesterday, and putters were right behind her. She was an odds-on favourite. Chinny Boom needs to find the way clear. Thompson is trying to come to the outside. Is there room there? He's trying to force a run. There's no room. Licker and Flaming Conquest from Goblin to Quo. Beast Mode, he goes back towards the inside on Chinny Boom. XO Lady's coming through as well. They're spread across the track. Beast Mode out wide and Goblin to Quo from Chinny Boom and XO Lady. Chinny Boom's hitting her straps now. Chinny Boom is coming through strongly and she'll get up. Chinny Boom overcame a checkered path to beat either Beast Mode, Goblin to Quo or Exo Lady, then Flaming Conquest, Ruby Cheeks, and Licker folded up to run last in 61 and 41. Yes, as I often say, it was an anxious watch for favourite backers, particularly between the 400 metres and the 200 metres when Chinny Boom was going well, but there was no run. Clint Taylor is the trainer. Clint, good morning. Congratulations. Uh, How are you feeling in that early part of the straight? Yeah, oh, yeah, good thing, Dave. Yeah. Uh, it was a bit of a um, take a big deep breath for a minute, but um, yeah, look, she overcome it and uh, got the right result. And, and one thing, I, I made a point to several people at the races yesterday. I've called a lot of races, watched a lot of races. Sometimes horses who get held up, once they get the run, but there are other horses who've got more momentum, it's very hard for them to gather that momentum. That's what I, I thought the main feature of her win was once she got out, she picked up strongly, and in the end, she was pulling away from them. Yeah, exactly right. Um, and we're saying that in a thousand or oh, fifty metre race, mm. um, to lose your momentum on the top of the straight, and then um, I thought the last fifty, you know, at the hundred, I thought, oh, she'll run second. In the last fifty, she was brilliant. She's so exciting, isn't she? There was obviously some very, very big offers uh, to buy her last year. How close did, did Mark Pascoe, her um, owner breeder, go to selling her? Was it was it ever on, on the card she might be sold or was he always keen to race her on with you? Oh, look, I just left that all to Mark, really. I've never really asked him that question, but oh, when he spoke to me, she just was never for sale. He... Um, he just he did, he just said I've always wanted a good horse and I finally got one so I don't want to sell it. That was his answer every time I asked him. So when we first saw Chitty Boom, we sort of framed an opinion in our minds uh, a fast horse over short distances. But she's um, she's conquered two maybe doubts that people might have had. One, she can run further than a thousand metres, I'm sure. Uh, we saw that when she was just beaten in the mode, but also she can come from behind as well. Yeah, Dave, I, you know, I never had any question mark about the relax. She's just too brilliant from him in the north and she's mm. very fast. But um, look, 
we're saying that oh, I had a bit to do with the family. Um, they came to be high revving, and um, we worked very hard with her, traveled her around. Um, really, um, you know, everything we did with her was to teach her to relax, and I think we're seeing the benefits of that now. So how how high do you set your heights with her now? We're on the eve of the Winter Carnival. When do we see her next, and what have you got in mind going forward? Oh, well, look, um, as I've spoken a few times, it's a bit frustrating. And over the Winter Carnival, there's no, like, um, Phillies um, three-year-old stakes races over the whole carnival, which is a bit strange. So, look, we have to really raise the bar now. She'll head to the Mick Dittman Plate, um, you know, which will be a great race um, with a lot of good horses. And we'll just see how she measures up against um, that corner company to where we head to after that. You make a very good point. I want to reiterate what you said there that uh, there's an absence of three-year-old fillies feature races. I think it's something that's, that's sadly lacking. Look, overall, I, I'm a big rap for our carnival, the way races are programmed and, and what we've got. But I think there's like a three-year-old fillies race. You've got to wait till like Tats Day in late June for, a, I think, a three-year-old fillies race over 1,200 metres. Yeah, that's correct. Um, yeah, it's a little frustrating and I've never really noticed because I've never had one good enough. But, um, you know, once you delve into the calendar and try and sort of plot a path it, it was quite difficult but um look um yesterday indicates that she's um you know she just could be up to these um top level horses so you know um after the mick dipman plate we'll, we'll decide where we head to next good on you mate the uh, the story keeps rolling on and it's rolling on well and good luck uh, in the future with chinny Bim. thanks for being with us this morning thank you very much thanks for that there he is clint taylor joining us ben thompson had the ride and um Good win. Well, it's extraordinary to think when you... I'm just looking at it now. When you look up the winning margin, more than the length. Mm. I, I mean, that's... You sort of, like, listening to your call there, and I, 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 I totally got it. If you're listening on the radio, you probably thought the winning margin was, was a bit tighter because you, your call was exactly right. She was in a world of trouble. But just sprouted wings and, and somehow picked up a momentum. I thought Beast Mode was okay. Soundly beaten by Chinny Boom, but I think Beast Mode would have a, a you know a nice race in him. Not quite sure whether he was suited. It might be suited to a firmer track, but um, you know was ridden. I don't know whether by design, but was ridden more negatively than we've seen him in the past and finished okay. But yeah, all on all on us with Chinny Boom. Can't wait to see where she goes after the McDipman if she performs up to expectations there. Exactly right. Let's go to the Open Handicap Race Eight. This was wide betting, nearly five dollars the field. They run into the controlled speed and coming to the turn, it's Wild Champ narrowly in front of Tumbler Edge. Now Halal peels three wide. Going right up behind them on the inside is Irish Songs. Legal Esprit looking for the way clear. Roman Aureus pulled to the outside. Even wider London Banker and Wapati is trying to put in a run. Tumbler Edge reached the lead. Irish Songs gets out now, shoots the gap. Halal was struggling. Tumbler Edge in front, but Irish Songs on the outside swept by him in a heartbeat. They're lining up for the miners, but Irish Songs raced away and beat home Tumbler Ridge. Third was at wit's end. Fourth either legal spree, wild chapper Irish playboy. Then came Halal, who didn't put in London Baker. Wapati, last chance. Roman Aureus didn't come on. And Edison out to last in 120.13. Louise White is doing a terrific job with Irish songs. Larry Cassidy knows the horse well. He got him over onto the fence in midfield. He wanted to over race a bit, but then the, the real test came trying to get the run. But Cassidy forced the issue. And Irish songs, as we said in the call, they just swept away and won easily. Yeah, it did win easily. Disappointment of the race, Halal. I think Halal might need the same procedure I had uh, a few years back after I had kids. Uh, don't know what's going on with Halal. Amazing to think that, 
in a former life, he wasn't that far off Animo at one point, um, you know, racing there. So I think Halal <laughs> got a bump at one point early in the race, just didn't like it and didn't put in after that. But, yeah, real head-scratcher for Tony Gollan. Let's go to Oak Bank and we'll go to the feature there, the listed Hills Railway Stakes. They swing for home and it's Larkham with Caladream. Oh, home rule ran into the inside rail. He's out of play. Taunting to the outside with Gaze Gree. Taunting's after Caladream and Larkham. Taunting raced up to hit the lead. Gaze Gree's joining in. Gaze Gree's after Taunting. Taunting is holding on from Gaze Gree. Taunting in front and the favourite wins the railway. Taunting beats Gaze Gree. Rich Gina third. First, second, third, all near the outside rail. Then Miss Muccini from Nali, a good run. Arkham Knight endlessly. Scissor step. Overhauled was Larkham with Caladream. And then daring move, Zula. And there were issues for home rule. You can bet almost as confidently as night follows day at Oak Bank. The jockeys flicked the switch at some part with the program. And they go from the inside rail to the outside rail. And Jess Eden, she was wide all the way, drew it near outside gate, never saw the inside fence, came to the turn, made the right-hand move to the outside and taunting one for Michael Hickmott. Uh, a horse who um, is gradually building its CV, its distance range 1,000 to 1,100, uh, but a listed victory there yesterday. So a good effort by taunting, too good for them. Let's go to Sandown, two Group 3 races as we... Wrap up the program. Let's firstly go to the Easter Cup and White Marlin, who is the Melbourne Cup favourite, resumed here in the Easter Cup. 400 metres to go. White Marlin went clear about a length and a half in front of Star Spangled Baby. Right you are back to the inside then horrifying. White Marlin 250 metres to go. Three quarters of a length in front of Right you are. The favourites fight it out. White Marlin. Charles pulls the stick at the 150. A length in front of Right you are and Mankayan late. But it's White Marlin remains undefeated and a Melbourne Cup journey starts here. White Marlin wins it by two lengths. Second Right you are. Photo third Luna Flair, Orban Kayan, and then came Fancy Man. A gap in the field to Captain Envious in company with Star Spangled Baby, Wichita Star Horrifying, and at the end of the field was Kamora. I don't know how good White Marlin is, but I do know that he's unbeaten. I do know that he handles wet or dry, and he loves to roll forward and make his own luck. He is an exciting prospect. Yeah, gee, they've been smart, Gay and Adrian, haven't they? They sent Goldman down to Melbourne as well. Uh, obviously, Goldman qualified for the Melbourne Cup by winning the Roy Higgins. You would imagine uh, White Marlin would be a good thing almost to qualify for the Melbourne Cup in the Andrew Ramston potentially next month as well. It's funny that that, that horse looked to be a little bit under pressure around the turn for a minute. I thought, oh, what are we going to see here? But just kept rolling on and rolling on. The two favourites for the Melbourne Cup at the moment, White Marlin and Goldman. Yeah, $8 and $11. And White Marlin may well go to the Mornington Cup in a fortnight before he goes to the Rams, and we'll see what happens there. Let's go to the Victoria Handicap. Cardinal Jeb, Mark Hunter's good thing yesterday was very well back to win the race. Buffalo River by a half-neck call sign Mav. A length and a half, Lady of Honour and Ayrton. Two lengths, Cardinal Gem, Forbidden City. Next is Pinstripe, seven off the lead from Not An Option. Well back in the field, Von Galay and Frankie Pino. So Buffalo River calls sign Mav. They leave the fence. A run appears for Ayrton. Forbidden City, there's a run for it if it's good enough. Lady of Honour down the centre with Cardinal Gem, who's coming on. And then Pinstripe behind them, needing an out. They've got to Buffalo River. It's Cardinal Gem taking the lead at the 200 metres. 
kick clear from Lady of Honor, and they were followed by Frankie Pino. But Cardinal Gem races clear under hands and heels, two, two and a half legs in front, and has it won. Cardinal Gem won the Victoria handicap, head bob a second, Frankie Pino, Lady of Honor involved, and behind those was Pinstripe. Then not an option, a gap Buffalo River Ayrton, well back in the field, Vongalee Forbidden City, and call sign Mav, who was used early. Cardinal Jim covered a bit of ground, but I don't think that was a disadvantage at Sandown Lakeside yesterday. And he's coming to the Stradbroke Handicap. Yeah, it got a strong finish. Uh, that horse for sure won beautifully yesterday. Certainly would not be out of place, you would suggest, in a Stradbroke Handicap. So that was the racing yesterday. We do have a few things from a Queensland point of view to look forward to next Saturday. Uh, the Quokka over in WA, where Uncommon James is the $3 second favourite. Amelia's Jewel, gee, she was brilliant, wasn't she? First up, $2.30. And Felix the Scat, the two-year-old that we've seen up here in Brisbane, I'd look at the odds this morning for the Group 1 Champagne, $11. I must admit, no disrespect to Felix the Scat and the great Will Hulbert and his dad, but I thought Felix might be a bit longer than that in the market. So yeah, well, it goes to show it's a winnable race. He'll appreciate the mile. There's, there's no risk about that. Good on you, Ben. Thanks for that. Thanks, David. Ben Dorries joining me this morning here on Pass the Post. Thanks for your company. Have a very enjoyable day. Enjoy your Easter break. Of course, tomorrow morning, Easter Monday, it's a Saturday service, so I'll be on with all of the previews tomorrow and we'll try and find you a winner too for Ipswich tomorrow afternoon. Have a good day. Bye-bye.